guys, and welcome back to Happy and Healthy. It's Janine Amapola, and welcome back to the podcast on this lovely, lovely Tuesday. I hope you guys are doing well today. Um, it is an early, early morning for me today. It's currently like 7.40 that I'm filming this, so uh, coffee much, anybody? Yeah. I feel that. (laughs) But for today's podcast, I'm honestly so excited for this guest. Um, This is Jonathan Pakluda, and he is a pastor. And I found out about this pastor when I was attending a church called Watermark. And he used to be the main head pastor of the porch. But he now is a pastor at a new church in Waco, Texas called Harris Creek Church. And he is just an amazing, amazing person. He has inspired me so much in my life. I truly don't know where my walk with Christ would be without JP. And he's also an author. So we'll be talking a little bit about his new book about dating. It's an amazing book. And I can't wait for him to share a little bit more about that. Um, So today's podcast, we're going to be kind of talking about legalism, shame and guilt, how to kind of finally overcome sin and so, so much more. Honestly, I feel like him and I could probably just talk for hours because we're both just so passionate about just like helping people and wanting to see people be free and also wanting people to just like reshape their mindset about what is the gospel because I just think there's so many people walking around thinking that like God's mad at them or that God's punishing them when reality God's just like, no, I I actually just like love you. I just want, you know, you to come to me with come to me with your burdens and everything. My arms are wide open, you know? So we're going to be talking all about that today. Um, and just going to be kind of a friendly discussion. And he's just an amazing person to listen to. I learned so much from him. And a lot of the quotes that I say, honestly, they're from JP. So (laughs) you might hear some of those quotes and be like, oh, I've heard Janine say that before. Yeah, it's because JP said it first. So I hope you guys are excited to hear him talk today. He's an amazing person. And let's just get right into today's episode. guys, welcome back to Happy and Healthy. It's Janine Amapola, and I already did the intro for this podcast, so I want to just get right into today's episode. JP, welcome to Happy and Healthy. How are you today? Hey, friend. I'm so excited to be on here with you. It's been fun just to watch uh, everything that God is doing in and through your life, and so yeah, I love it. I'm I'm also, I woke up on a fairly cold day in Texas, so I'm, I'm probably a little bit jealous of your California weather, except for I know you guys have those wildfires. I hate that for you. Yeah, we do. We do. It's It's been definitely pretty unfortunate and kind of just a sad thing for the families. And Are you safe? Are, yeah, I'm I'm safe personally. Thank God my, my parents actually text me like every single day because my parents are still back in Dallas. And every yeah. single day, like if they see wildfire, they're like, oh my gosh, are the fires coming towards you? Are you going to die? Like you need to get out. And I'm like, Mom and dad's actually like five hours away from me. Like I promise I'm okay. But yeah. they like freak. I mean, you know, parents, you're a parent, you get it. So. Well, it's crazy. I mean, just watching the news and it, I mean, it's over in Washington and Oregon and it's, it's madness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely praying for those families and for the yeah. states that are doing safe. Well, I'm, I'm um, thankful. Thanks for letting me jump in with you. Of course. Of course. Well, I'm happy to be on the podcast. You've been someone that's actually inspired me a lot. I mean, I I made a little intro to this episode and I was telling my followers, I was like, honestly, a lot of the quotes I say, I'm like, those are from JP. I'm like, you might actually 
hear some of these quotes in today's episode and you'll probably be like, oh, I've heard that before. And I was like, yeah, it's probably because I took it from JP. Creativity so. is forgetting where you learned it, you know? And so it's all good. <laughs> Everything there's Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. So we are all just replicating God's masterpieces. So it's all right. good. I mean, as long as we're pushing people back to the gospel, I think that's what ultimately matters. So. Facts. But thank you so much for just being a light to this generation. Um, I mean, again, like I said, you've changed my life. You've impacted my life. And I know so, so many others. And so just thank you for you know, jumping on this podcast because I really think we're going to have some nuggets of truth in here. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about um, shame and guilt and how is it that someone kind of can finally overcome that that sin and next, I kind of wanted to talk about like legalism because you are a pastor and I want you to kind of share your story in a little bit here, but you are a pastor and you've probably seen, you know, on the front lines of like legalism at its, at its core. And so I kind of want to talk about that and just how do we break that legalism? How do we, you know, finally know a little bit of the difference between old covenant versus new covenant? And why is it that we are able to, you know, get a tattoo if we want? Why is it that we're able to color our hair? Why is it that we're able to have a glass of wine? Um, so I wanted just to kind of get into that. So why don't you just kind of share really quickly who you are, a little bit of your story, and I'd love to just, you have that, you share that with my followers really quickly. Yeah. It's interesting. You, you mentioned legalism because I grew up in a church in a Christian home. Mom and dad, uh, were believers and a small town in South Texas in the middle of nowhere. I was Catholic. I went to a Catholic school for nine years and, God to me was this kind of sheriff in the sky that was going to get you if you did something wrong. And so that worked for me. Like for most of my life, I was pretty good. I obeyed the rules. I went through like true love waits, which was just this thing where you like wait till you're married to have sex and, and uh, was, was like walking the, the narrow path. And when I went to college, and so I kind of was like it, later on a little bit of identity crisis in, in high school, which is just kind of everybody in high school trying to find myself. And I always found identity in relationships with girls. But when I went to college, like I had all of this freedom to do whatever I wanted and none of the maturity to go with that freedom. And so just like in the first several weeks of college, I mean, just failed in morally in epic proportions. I went to parties, I smoking weed, I was getting drunk, I was snorting lines of coke, I experimented with ecstasy, I was sleeping around. I was overwhelmed with guilt. I can remember one night I was on my, in my apartment on campus, my on-campus apartment, and I was praying like I always had my entire life, like just saying these prayers to God before I went to sleep. And I just started weeping because I was like, nobody's listening to me. God can't hear me. I'm, I'm running from God as hard and fast as I can. My prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. And, and I reached out to a friend the next day because I was just like, okay, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm a mess. And I reached out to her and she just, she gave me this advice that was terrible advice, but it kind of was prophetic a little bit. She said, Hey, that's just college. You just kind of you know, you live your life, you do your things, and then you kind of come back to God after college. And I thought, okay, well, that's what I'll do. And that's what I did. And so really, the following two years was just one big kind of drunken blur, where if whatever the adventure was, I would pursue it. I was just chasing, you know, the the waterfalls, I was chasing the next party, chasing the next good time, chase, chasing the next, you know, sex with a stranger, whatever that was. And and I graduated somehow, some way. I moved to Dallas and I was at this club 19 years ago 
and someone invited me to church and I sat in the back row. I smelled like smoke. I was, I was hung over from the night before. And I began to wrestle with, all right, what do I actually believe? Because I always said that I believe in Jesus, but clearly I don't because I'm not doing anything that he's asking me to do. And so I thought, you know, maybe there's a God and he created all things, but who is he? And what are the odds I'd be born to the right country and come to know the right religion? So I began to explore just like studying world religions, the Hindu faith, the Buddhist faith, Jewish faith, Islamic faith, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Church of Christian Science, Scientology. And as I began to look at these different beliefs and ideologies, I kept tripping over this character in history that some somehow 2020 years ago, this carpenter born in Bethlehem, a, a town that no one would have heard of except he was born there, lived in Nazareth, a city none of us would know except he grew up there. Somehow this carpenter reset the calendar that we started counting years from his birth, B.C., before Christ, now 2020 A.D. A.D. is medieval Latin. Anno Domini, it stands for the year of our Lord. Like somehow this carpenter reset the calendar and every atheist I know acknowledges him by the date that their iPhone says or the date they put on their checks or their test papers. Like how did this guy do that? And, and Janine, I ended up surrendering my life to him, which just meant I believed upon his death and the resurrection for the forgiveness of my sins, that there was a payment there that we'll talk more about in a minute as we get into shame. But when I believed on that, the gospel, and I believed on his death and a resurrection for the payment for my sins, everything in my life changed. And keep in mind, I'm, I'm probably addicted to alcohol at this point. I'm certainly addicted to sex, addicted to pornography, just really just addicted to pleasure. I'm a narcissist. I worship myself. You know, I'm everything wrong with, with Dallas and a person. I, I have this penthouse condo and drive this Jaguar and, and I, you know, I'm trying to be a millionaire before I'm 30. And then Jesus just stops me dead in my tracks and says, hey, if I'm real, what else are you going to live for? And that oh. that um, that changed everything. Wow. Like, and it's just, thank you for sharing because that is just like, you know, someone could easily look at you. Someone could easily look at me and they can be like, oh, they're just so perfect. They're a Christian. They have everything together. They have the house, the car, the family, the whatever, not even knowing really like what we went through. And it's so easy, especially for you, since you carry the label of I'm a pastor, you know, I'm sure you get people coming up to you all the time being like, bro, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't even know. And you're like, uh, actually I do. So thank you for sharing. Cause I mean, it, that is just such a crazy story. And it just shows truly how God can take you from, from beauty, take beauty from ashes. And even if you think you're in the lowest of lows or you're in the slimy pit and you're like, there's no way God can use me. Yes, he can. So thank yeah, you so and, much. For and he that. wants to, like he wants mm-hmm. to, like God wants to do something with our lives. He created us for a purpose and he desires to have a relationship with us. He's a real God. He's true. He's right. He created all things. And, and he, before creation, before he formed the earth, like he knew us and he, he knew how many hairs were going to be on our head and how many days we were going to live. And, his desires for us, like he desires to use us and he, de- he wants us to, to know him and to make him known. And it's, it's funny, Jenny, because before that moment, like my life really didn't have any purpose outside of trying to become bigger, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. And after that moment, it's like all of a sudden, wow, my life has purpose. Like God created me for his glory. And so I need to, to do everything I can to know him and to make him known. Mm, amen. Wow. So, so cool. So now you're a pastor at Harris Creek Church in Waco, but you used to be the pastor at the porch and at Watermark Community Church. 
How how are things over there for you in Waco? Are you loving it? Yeah, I mean Waco's amazing. Um, there's this power couple here that have kind of put the city on the map, named Chip and Joanna Gaines. And uh, God's doing a work here. There's also this big university right in the center of the town, Baylor. And we like the pace of Waco. It's been really good for our family. Miss the porch like crazy and and really want to invest my life in helping young adults, like people in their 20s and 30s, understand that they were created by God and for God. So I miss relationships in Dallas. I definitely miss Watermark. That's an amazing place. Uh, the porch is, is, will always have such a special place in my heart, but yeah, we're getting after it down here in Waco. Amen. Yeah. I, I miss, I miss Dallas and I miss the porch as well. Yeah. Um, but so, okay. So quick thing, you're an author now and you have written, I think this is your third book now. Is that right? Your third book? It's actually, let's see, it's actually number four. And so I wrote, welcome to adulting which was just kind of this, hey, for anybody in their 20s and 30s, trying to navigate life, navigating faith, finances, friendship, and the future is is the subtitle. And so, uh, and then there was a, a, a kind of daily Devo after that, the Welcome to Adulting Survival Guide, and then a book just to the church, to young adult pastors called Welcome in the Future Church. But this book that's coming out in March, I'm most excited about, it's called Outdated. And it's a it's a book on dating and relationships, find love, uh, find find lasting love when dating has changed. And because I just I see my single friends in this world trying to navigate dating, and everybody's giving them advice, you know, from the scriptures, from the Bible. You know, all these married pastors have some counsel for them. And the reality is, dating's changed radically. I mean, with yeah. Tinder, dating apps, uh, the hookup culture. The way we date today is so drastically different. And dating is really a fairly new phenomenon. It's only about 120 years old. The, the word dating is only about 120 years old. And, and I, I think most of us don't understand that and that God's word still has something to say about that. And, and we can apply it to 2020. So this book, Outdated, was born to, to really help people navigate dating, people with faith navigate dating in 2020 or the 21st century. Oh, I'm so excited for your book. I mean, I'm single, so I, I cannot wait to read your book because dating in California is honestly a disaster. Like, truly. So if you're going to need, you know, single friends that are looking for a wife, you know, you know where to find me. Well, and I, <laughs> but, I, 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 that, that'll be easy. We'll, we'll have you on, on the Becoming Something podcast and, and you'll be married in four months. So it's going to be awesome. <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait for that episode. But I would just say dating everywhere is a disaster. It's not unique to California. Like it's really challenging to to date right now. And that's why I hope this book is helpful. Man, I can't wait for it. So when does that come out? March 2nd, it drops, but it's, it's out, you know, it's on Amazon right now for pre-order. And, and what I'm going to do, Janine, is it's like anybody uh, on your podcast pre-orders that and they can email leadership at harriscreek.org. And I'm going to send them a message that will only be for your followers and your listeners on dating as well. And so we're going to put together something special for them, but I, I appreciate you even bringing it up. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm, I'm just sure. pumped for that book to come out. My joy for sure. All right. Well, so let's kind of get into the, to the meat of this conversation. Um, you're, like I said, you're a pastor, you've been on the forefront of speaking to young adults and really being able to get like a bird's eye view of like, what is it that this generation is struggling with? I mean, I think I have two because you know, I mean, I get girls that DM me every day what they're struggling with, but 
from your perspective, since I feel like, you know, you're, you're not in your twenties anymore and you're able to kind of look in the rearview mirror and be like, whoa, like when I was 20, I wish I knew that. Like, what do you feel like is the biggest struggle this generation? And like, what would you say your advice is to them? So forever when I would, uh, we would, we would teach at the porch uh, on dating. And that was just like the, that's when there'd be 4,000 people there. And, and then it grew to 18 campuses around the country. And that was the big messages everyone wanted to hear about. But lately, I would say in like, you know, the last five years or so, it hasn't been dating. It's been anxiety. I think we're seeing the most anxious generation the world has ever known. Um, we, are, we are living in our heads. I think, you know, the cell phone, the invention of the iPhone has contributed to this. We are completely wired in all the time. People are walking around. They're stressed. You're starting to see panic attacks. The you know psychotic meds are are on the rise. Psychiatry, in and of itself, counseling is is big industry right now. And so I just think the biggest challenges that I see in this generation is how anxious we are. Which is ironic for people of faith that you know we believe in this God that we can trust and He loves us, and yet we we struggle with anxiety. And now, listen, I'm not the pastor coming along and saying, hey, you just need to have more faith because. Janine, two and a half years ago, I mean, I had a complete and total breakdown, a panic attacks. I couldn't sleep. I was in the hospital. My heart started skipping beats, you know, and it was just like, what happened to me? And I, and I would, I would teach on anxiety and looking back, I realized I was really teaching on worry because I didn't know what anxiety was until I experienced it firsthand. And it, it just about broke me. And so I've, I've, you know, for the past two and a half years, well, the year after following that, I was slowly climbing out of that hole and, and finding the joy of the Lord again and looking back and trying to understand, okay, what, what did go wrong there? And it all comes down to, you know, what Paul writes in Philippians 4 when he says, you know, set your mind on and he begins to, to say, think about whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy, excellent, noble. Think about these things. And I, I think that our, we don't understand that our thoughts take us places and that our brain is, is really an input system. And when we begin to take in negativity and, the, and, and um, the things of this world, when we set our mind on the things of this world and we, we think about ourselves all the time, we grow narcissistic, it corrupts yeah. and pollutes our brain and it really poisons our brain. And, and we get to this place where we can't stop thinking about that. And then when we wake up and we immediately want to grab our phone and immediately want to check and okay, what happened in the middle of the night? And then like sleep does not become a priority. And we just completely and totally exhaust ourselves. We fatigue our brain. And so that's, those are some of the biggest issues that I see. And I'll just, I'll wrap that up by saying, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I don't think we understand that that Jesus is not trying to give us more to do. He, he's trying to, to teach us that we actually can trust him and walk with him. And he promises us, you know, a future, a, a glorious inheritance with him. Mm, that's so good. I mean, yeah, social media truly. And I mean, I know we'll probably talk about this on y'all's podcast, but I mean, yeah, social media is, I think, one of the biggest contributors to this anxiety. And I mean, that's actually why I decided yesterday I was going to take a break from social media because it was really, really affecting me like super badly. And like, I was anxious and stuff. And so I was like, I just need to remove that source of, of pain or confusion or whatever. And so 
that I just love what you said. And thank you for saying that. And that kind of actually just like leads me into my next question about removing the source. And so, you know, something that I always hear you talk about, something that people always ask me is like, why can't I get over this sin? Why do I keep running back to it? You know, I'm struggling with porn. I'm struggling with masturbation. I'm I'm struggling with, you know, alcoholism. Like, why can't I break free? And I've always heard you say before, like, well, remove the source of temptation. And do you mind just kind of sharing with us a little bit, like, what would you say to someone that just feels so caught up in their sin? They're walking around with guilt and shame and feeling like, why would God ever accept me when I am doing this? Or God wouldn't, can't set me free. I'm too far gone. What would you say to someone that's struggling with that? Yeah, let me separate that into to kind of two ideas. And so let's, let's talk about recovery and then dealing with shame. And so start with recovery. We'll, we'll take pornography and masturbation just as an example. So people will come up to me, like I, I talk about porn a lot because it's a huge part of my story. And they'll come up afterwards and, and they'll say, hey, you know, they, they like, they're like they they're full of shame. They can't make eye contact. They're kind of staring at the ground. They're awkward. They're like, yeah, man, you know, my story's similar to yours. I'm like, how so, you know? And they're like, oh, you know, just some similar struggles. I'm like, well, what? I want them to say the word. And and they can't a lot of times. They'll be like, oh, you know, uh, it, you know, pornography. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got you. So like porn and masturbation, I get it. And um, and and I'll say, let me ask you a question. How do you access porn? And they're like, oh man, you know, my my phone. And I go, oh, your phone, okay. Like so, so where's your phone right now? And they're like, oh man, it's, it's in my pocket. And I'm like, oh, okay. I thought you said you were struggling with it. And they're like, I am, man. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. Uh-huh. I'm like, well. Well, not like you're not really struggling, right? You're carrying it with you in your pocket, like everywhere you go. And mm-hmm. and they're like, well, yeah. Like, what do you want me to do? Get rid of my phone? And I'm like, well, maybe. I mean, I mean, I don't know. But let's like, let's just like put that on the table as an option because it's not like, you know, <laughs> people live before the phone, and you can get. You don't have to have a smartphone. Like, you can get a dumb phone. Like, you can get a Motorola Razor. You know, nobody's looking at porn on a <laughs> Razor. You know, it's all grainy and stuff. I mean, there's there's other options out there, or you can get software, uh, Covenant Eyes. I mean, you can you can block ads. I'm just saying, let's wage war with this because this is what Jesus says, even on this particular topic in Matthew chapter five. He says, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. If your hand causes you to sin cut it off or it's better to enter the kingdom of heaven uh, without a hand or an eye than for your whole body to be dragged away into hell. And what Jesus is trying to tell us is, is this sin seeks to drag us into despair, into a terrible place and, and, and potentially to a place where we wouldn't have a relationship with him. I'm not saying that we would lose our salvation, but that we would get to this place where we never actually trusted in Christ. We trusted so much in our sin. And, um, and so people will say, man, get rid of my phone. You know, that, that's, that's legalistic. And I would just say, well, think about G- was Jesus legalistic when he, what he's saying is, Hey, do whatever it takes because I want you to have life. And what you're finding as you continue to, you know, indulge in your sin is death. And then and then what I want to say to that person, that person who's willing to fight, Janine, because that that's how you know if somebody's willing to get well. I always say, you know, they need they're dead and they need CPR, they're dying and they need CPR. And CPR just stands for confess, pray, and remove access. So confess your sin and forsake it. Um James five sixteen, right? That that he tells us to confess our sins. Pray. It also says that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. So ask people to pray for you as you walk in the light and you're honest about what you're stuck in and then remove access. Make it difficult for you to continue to walk in that sin. So put barriers between 
you and that sin. And that's not legalistic. That's that's fighting for righteousness. But when that person is willing to do that, I want them to know the, the beautiful words of 2 Corinthians 15. He says that God is no longer counting your sins against you. He's no longer counting your sins against you. And that that's a beautiful, that Romans 8, 1 says, there's now no condemnation. There's no judgment for those who are in Christ. So once we've accepted the payment of Christ, that Christ paid for our pornography addiction, he paid for our sexual uh, sins, he paid for the, those times we got drunk, he paid for those times we got high, that he's not holding those against us, that he's erased them, and that we can walk forward with a clean slate. That's what grace is. It's so beautiful that we can have the confidence of the Lord, that we can put our our, our chin up and our chest out and, and walk boldly, not boasting in our own abilities, but in Christ's payment, what he did for us. It's a beautiful thing. So Janine, let me ask you a question. What, what What's something you like to do for fun? I love to serve for fun and I like to yeah. work out. I'm so jealous of that. I wish I could. I wish I could say, "Oh yeah, I went surfing." Come on the over. For fun. <laughs> That'd be amazing. the The thing that God likes to do for fun, it says in Micah, it, God loves to show mercy for fun. That's what it wow. says that, that the Lord delights to show you mercy. How, how great is that? Like what God enjoys doing is forgiving mm. people. Like what? Like it's fun for God for me to come and say. God, when I wasn't walking in right relationship with you, I, I was pursuing my flesh. I was getting high. I, I was I was looking, you know, for Molly. I was trying to pursue pleasure in the club and and to take a girl home. And you know, these were the things that I was doing, God. And I'm sorry. And I don't want to be that person. And God, with a with a, a giant smile on his face and his arms wrapped around me, says, "And I, I love. Let me show you what I'd love to do for fun is to restore you." I, I forgive you. I, I do not hold those things against you. And in fact, I'm going to use your story. If, you'll, if you're willing to tell your story, I will use your story to set other people free. And what I, what I liken it to, Janine, it's like you're in a cage, like you're trapped in a cage, like in a, in a prison cell, and you can't get out. And, and God walks up, and once you confess and you pray and you repent, it's like God hands you a key to that prison cell. And he says, hey, unlock this and get out. You're free. But he, you get to keep the key. And your story is the key that sets other people free from the cell that they exist in. So that when yeah. you are willing to talk about that abortion, when you're willing to talk about those one night stands, when you're willing to talk about those things that you did when you weren't in right relationship with Jesus, he uses that to set people who are stuck in the same sin free. And that's my prayer for what's happening right now in your podcast is people are listening all over the world and they're yeah. walking and they, they turn to God and they say, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to keep clicking on these hashtags. I don't want to keep, you know, looking at these websites. I don't want to watch these videos. I don't want to keep returning like a dog to his vomit to that club, hoping some guy's gonna notice me. You know, I, I want to walk in freedom. Mm, wow, so many just like great things you said in there, and I think something that you know I kind of want to just add is just. I think a lot of people look at God as this, like, he just has this condemning pointing finger. In reality, it's like he, his arms are wide open waiting for you to just come to him. Because so many people are like, if I went into that church, that church would burn down. I remember there was this one guy, like I was seen maybe like three years ago and I was just trying to encourage him. I wasn't even like dating him. I was just trying to encourage him. 
to come to the porch. And he was like, if I walked into that church, it would burn down. And I'm like, that's why you need to come like all the more, like, it's not going to burn down. Like you don't have to clean yourself up first to go to God. It's like, you come to me and then I clean you up. And I just think so many people are looking like at God from this perspective, like, like their earthly father, like, yeah, you get in trouble and your dad, you know, does something to punishes you, takes your phone away from you, whatever it is. But that's not what God's trying to do is he's not trying to punish you or make you feel bad because God is not a God of condemnation or a God of guilt and shame. That's actually the enemy. The enemy is the one that does that to you. God is there with that godly conviction, the godly sorrow. That's like, I can't keep living like this. This is robbing me of my joy. I don't have peace. I have anxiety. And when you turn away, you guys, from whatever it is that you're going through, I promise you, you find that freedom and you find that peace. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I'm not saying, and I don't think, I don't even think that JP is saying like, as soon as you give your life or as soon as you turn away, it's going to be just a straight and narrow path from there. Like, no, like those temptations are going to come back, but that's where like the community is so important to go back to your friends and be like, look, I'm struggling again. Like that temptation of masturbation, it's still there for me, or I still want to look at porn. And you just have to keep being honest with people and letting people in because it's not just going to be, you know, butterflies and rainbows after that. It's, it's not, I mean, I can testify to that. I can guarantee you JP can testify to that. And just yeah, knowing yeah. that like, there where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom call upon yeah. the Holy spirit because I be, I truly believe like that spirit can set you free and we all have access to him. We all yeah. have the Holy spirit with us. And so just access that. Is there anything else you want to add or say? <laughs> oh, are you preaching over there? Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you see that in Luke 15, right? Luke 15, there's this story about this, this, guy that says hey dad i I wish you were dead because i want my inheritance and in the story jesus told this story and in the story the dad is is god the father and the and the son the 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 boy is is us and we go to god and we say god we don't want you we just want your stuff and and so god gives it to him he says here's your inheritance and he goes to vegas and he spends it on prostitutes and you know gambling and drugs and he he squanders all his wealth and he wakes up and he's on the street you know and he's like, man, maybe I'll just go back and ask my dad if I can work for him, like if I can work in his factory or something. And as he's walking back, he's practicing his his like, dad, I'm really sorry. I, I, I screwed up real bad. I spent all your money. And, and he's practicing his kind of apology. And he's like, hey, is there any way I can just like go to work for you, like make minimum wage? And it says the dad looks out the window and sees him and he runs to him and just throws his arms around him and tackle, tackles him. I just picture him just like rolling around in the, in the grass, yeah. like, oh, I missed you. And he restores him and he throws this party and he's like, my son is back. And that's like what it, God is wanting us to do when we turn to him. Like Jesus told that story for a reason. He, he wants us to know that God restores people for fun. He, he extends grace for fun. And to that guy that said, you know, if I walk into this church, it's going to burn down. Like, let's just call that what it is. That's so arrogant because what you're saying is you're saying God's not big enough to forgive my sin. You're looking at the cross with, with Jesus on it and you're saying, Jesus, you're not enough for my sin. And, and you know, the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, I mean, this he was a bad guy. He killed women and children. You know, I mean, he was a bad, and he didn't just kill them for no like he killed them because they were Christian. <laughs> 
Like he was, he was like the modern day, or he, not the modern day, the first century ISIS. Like he's, wow. he's like, he's murdering women and children because they follow Jesus. And God takes him and makes him the greatest missionary that's ever lived. I was I, the way I share the gospel, Janine, is I always ask two questions. And I asked, I was in the gym. I was talking to this guy, you know, he's like tatted up. He's a big dude. He's just yoked out of his mind. Like it, he works out a lot. And, and, uh, and I was, and I said, between one and 10, 10 being certain, one being not so sure. If you died today, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? He goes, oh man, I'm a, I'm a two. And I said, okay, uh, if you stood before God and he said, why should I let you in? What would you say? And he was like, man, there's no way he's letting me in. And I said, well, why would you say that? He's like, man, you don't understand. I've just done some things. I've done some things. And so I was thinking about the Apostle Paul who killed people, you know. So I said, let me ask you a question. You know, how many people have you killed? Thinking like he's going to be like, oh, I hadn't killed anybody. But <laughs> that's not what he said. He starts counting. <laughs> like in his mind, he's like counting some number of I'm like, oh, gosh, you have done Whoa. some things. Like you're a bad dude, you know. And But it was so great to be able to say, don't you? I don't, I don't care how, what you've done, right? Like how bad your sin has been, like all the more grace abounds. And if God can forgive someone who's murdered people because they were Christian, like your little drug addiction, your, your little like sexcapade, you know, South Padre, you know, in, in 2010 or whatever it was, like God delights to forgive you. Like it's fun for him to forgive you. But, and I would just say- wow. When we talk about legalism, Janine, God's not trying to rip you off. Like he's mm -hmm. trying to set you, set you free. Like what I'm, I'm a guy. I'm not naive. I'm not under the influence of anything other than the Holy Spirit right now. And and I've I've experienced I've experienced what the world has to offer. Like I've had I've been to the parties. I've I've done the things, and I've found life in Christ. And I realized like when I was pursuing the things of the world, like I was getting ripped off because the world will leave you empty. It will leave you wanting. It will leave you in despair. And yet Christ, he says, hey, come to me. And in, in him, I have found life. I have found the words of eternal life. I found, um, I found joy. I found love. I found peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And that's, that's what God is like. Man, I'm not giving you these rules to try to you know, keep you from having fun. I'm giving you these rules so that you you find freedom. And so people say, well, is it okay to get a tattoo? Uh, not if it's a bad one. <laughs> you know, it's okay to get a great, it's okay to get a beautiful tattoo, like a really good, skillful tattoo. Uh, you know, it's anything that we do to the glory of God. Was it okay to, to, to drink? It depends on why you're drinking. You know, it's right. like Jesus drank. And so sitting there with his friends and fellowshipping, having a glass of wine, I think you can do that to the glory of God. But if, if I'm wow. out there trying to, to escape, to get drunk, then yeah, that's that's problematic because God knows that God doesn't want you to be hugging a toilet later on, you know, throwing up and not remembering, yeah. you know, the, the crazy things you did. God, God wants good for you. He doesn't want that for you. And, and what we do, sin robs us of creativity, Janine. We do the same thing over and over and over, and we think it's life. Like we're like, hey, what are we going to do this weekend? I don't know. Go to the club, get drunk, take home a stranger. Cool. What are we going to do next weekend? I don't know. Go to the club, get drunk, take home a stranger. Oh, yeah. well, what about the next weekend? Oh, I don't know. Go to the club, get drunk. And God wants you to change the world. Like he wants to use you for good, like to, to do something that no one's ever done, to be creative, to, to use your gifts in the church, in the body, to live a life with purpose. 
And when we were just waking up, you know, with a headache and, and trying to remember what we did the, the night before, that's not life. That's stupid. You know, that's, right. there's no life there. And I don't say stupid to try to instill shame in anybody. I did it. I did it. But I think with a sober mind, we can look at that and be like, oh, yeah, like that. That's not life. There's no life there. Totally agree. I mean, that's part of my testimony as well. I shared that on a past podcast. Just, I mean, I did the whole Dallas partying life as well. And I mean, you really don't find life in it at all. Like you're absolutely right. It is the same thing over and over and over. Then you show up to church the next day and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so guilty. I'm the worst. You check your box of going to church and then you rinse and repeat. And you're right. There is no, there's no creativity. There's no freedom. And it's just like, and I think that's why I was so stagnant in my walk with the Lord because I was doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. And it was until I changed my playmates and changed my playgrounds that I started finding freedom finally. And I'm just like, wow, thank you, Jesus, for that. And I think just, you know, one of the problems with legalism is that there's people want, they almost want you to be like, okay, don't do this and then do this. And it's like, okay, how close can I get to the line? So yeah. it's not crossing the line, but I can still be like, oh, I'm in right standing with God, but I can also just tiptoe my foot over that line just a little bit. And I think yeah. that's kind of the problem with legalism. And a lot of people come to me, I'm sure they come to you and they're like, so can I drink? Can I color my hair? Can I do this? Can can Christians wear a skirt? Can Christ- Christians wear a bikini? Can Christians wear... It's like they just really want this this guidebook of like, do this, don't that. But I don't mm-hmm. believe that God is a God that's like, hey, do this and don't do that. Like, he's not like that. And yeah. I think it's just where you have to follow the convictions or is this beneficial? Does this make me look more like Christ? Does this help someone? Does this lead someone closer to the Lord? I mean, what kind of would you add in legalism? Yeah. Because I just think legalism is yeah. it's so ugly and it's distracting yeah. from the yeah. true gospel. One word to consider is, is motive. And so the scripture says that God looks at the heart, like what he cares about is your why. And so as you think about bikini, color and hair, tattoo, whatever that is, it's like, can you do those things to the glory of God? And if you can, then go for it. And if you can't, like if you're like, man, I think my motive is uh, I want to you know, take shortcuts. I, I want to I don't I don't even know whatever, you know, as you just kind of flesh that out, it's like, hey, what is my motive? What's my why? And, and that will help you understand. And you can just pray like the Holy Spirit is alive and active and he, he indwells believers. And we can ask him, okay, what, what do you want for me, God? Like, would you have me do this and slow down and listen and search his word and say, okay, does, does the Bible speak to this? Is there instruction here? And then, and then ultimately trust, like, do I believe that God's instruction leads to life? It says in, um, in, in, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, Chapter three, verse 16, all scriptures, God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So it's, it's helpful to us and we have to see it as helpful. And I think that's, I think the person that's saying, okay, well, how far, you know, how far is too far? You're asking the wrong question. It's just like, okay, where, where is the Holy Spirit leading me to life? Because I don't, I don't even want to walk into a dark cave. Like I just want to stay in the light. And, you know, I want to find that freedom and, and pursue God with reckless abandonment. Sometimes, Janine, I think we focus too much on the don'ts and not enough on the do's. Like I can mm. sit here all day long and, and say, well, don't have sex before you're married and don't get drunk and don't get high and don't do this and don't spend more money than you have. But, but in reality, I think if you just pursue Christ with all your heart, all that other stuff's going to take care of itself. And he says this in Matthew 6, verse 33, he says, yeah. seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so it's like what we 
we do, we need to pursue Jesus. We need to look toward Jesus. We need to wake up and fix our mind on the things above. And then all of those don'ts, those will happen automatically because we'll be we'll be chasing after Jesus and Jesus isn't going to lead us down the wrong path. He's not going to lead us down the wrong trail. Amen. So, so, so true. I think, yeah, as you are abiding in the Lord, I mean, everything else, the fruit of the spirit, that becomes a byproduct by staying connected to the true vine that gives you the life and gives you the joy and the peace and the hope and everything else. Um, so thanks for saying that. And I just want to ask one last question before we wrap up. So what would you say to someone that's like, well, you know, the Bible says that not to get a tattoo. The Bible says not to eat meat. The Bible says like, you know, people that they know the Bible and they use it in their argument. What would you kind of say with that whole like old covenant mindset versus the new covenant mindset to someone that's you know, saying that. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to, you know, so if somebody says, well, the Bible says don't get a tattoo, right? They're referencing Leviticus and we would look into, to why. So Jesus come, Jesus came and said, Hey, I, I've come to fulfill the law and the fulfillment of the law. And so in the old Testament, you had moral law, civil law, and ceremonial law. And so the ceremonial law is, these are, these were rituals that God's people would do to mark themselves. Civil law would be kind of like the, the legal system today. Like if somebody's hurt me in some way or, or done something bad to me, this is how I can, can get restitution. This is how I can get paid back. And then the moral law is, is God is saying, hey, this is right from wrong. And that is now planted in our hearts. Uh, he's, he's removed our heart of stone. He's given us a heart of flesh. He's given us the Holy Spirit, the counselor that Jesus referenced, and he guides us and directs us. And so that's why I think that motive is so important where it's like, okay, if, if I want to get a tattoo, you know, what's my why? Like, why do I want to get a tattoo? And is my why okay before the Lord? And so it's like a tattoo in and of itself is morally neutral. But if I'm going to get a tattoo of, of let's say, a, a naked woman on my arm, well, that may cause people to stumble. My, my motive is probably off. You know, if I want to get a, a tattoo of of a profane statement on my arm, it's like, okay, that's probably not going to be great. It's I'm not going to be a light. But if, if I want to get a tattoo of, of a verse or a, a beautiful sunset or or the the name of a child who passed away or something like that. So it's just like, what's my why? And is my is my why God honoring? And I think for those people that are, you know, they they want to beat someone over the head with the Bible, um, you know, because they, they've memorized some scripture, or they, they've grown up in a legalistic environment. I mean, that's usually what happens is like sin is a byproduct of sin. And we kind of, we, we do to others what has been done to us, unfortunately, and we tend to pass it on like sin is contagious. And I think we need to slow down and say, okay, what is the heart of God? Like, what is he after? What is, what does he desire for his followers and understand that why? Um, and then in the, in the, you know, you, you reference the new covenant, just this idea that we now have the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. And I say the spirit of God makes known to us, uh, known to us the things of God through the word of God. The spirit of God makes known to the people of God the things of God through the word of God. And so the, the Holy Spirit will illuminate the scriptures as we read it with an open mind and we're looking and say, okay, and we ask him, God, would you give me instruction? Like he will do so. Like that's that's what we have that they didn't have. Uh, when they just had the prophets, when they just had the Torah, when they just had the the, the the laws in Leviticus. Like we now have God with us giving us direction. So good. And that's just so freeing to think that. And yeah, God will convict you. I believe he will. And if you're in tune with that and you're asking him and you're seeking him, 
I believe he will convict you. So thank you so much, JB, for just everything. I mean, you're just so full of wisdom. I just honestly love just like sitting here listening because I'm like, dang, like I'm over here snapping my fingers like that was that was a bar. That was good. Well, what's up? Let's, let's do it again. I, I love it. I'm so grateful for the way that you're using your platform and, and that God has captured your heart and I, I can remember all of the time being at the porch, Janine, and people were like, I would, I would always ask people, how did you hear about it? How did you find it? They're like, oh, you know, I follow Janine Amapola, and, oh, you know, she, she told me about this and this and that. So, so thankful for you, and God's using you. Keep being a light everywhere you go. Keep pushing back darkness. Life is short. You know, that's, yeah. that if, if 2020s, if COVID-19 has taught us anything, it's life is short. So yeah. let's live for God. What else are we going to live for? Like if we're going to die and there's a heaven and we're going to be with God forever and ever and ever and ever, then what else are we going to live for? Like yeah. the next time you're walking on that beach or surfing, you, you, you know, touch your finger to the sand and dust off just to a little bit, of just to one grain. And it's like that, that, that one grain, that's, that's my life. That's my 76 years compared wow. to the beach, the beach of eternity. And so it's like, okay, if, 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 I, if that one grain is my 76 years versus eternity, what else am I going to live for? Like, I'm going to live for eternity. Let's go. Wow. Amen. I'm going to do that when I go to the beach next time. <laughs> yeah. So well, where can everyone find you? Because, I mean, you're on a podcast as well. Um, what's, what's your podcast and where can they yeah. find you? Yeah, so Becoming Something is the podcast. That's just this idea that we're all becoming something like right now. Every moment is training for a future moment that we're going to live in. And so Becoming Something Podcast, check that out anywhere, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere there's, you listen to podcasts. Uh, on Instagram, I'm at jpokluda, so J-P-O-K-L-U-D-A, Facebook, Jonathan Pakluda. And then you can email me, leadership at harriscreek.org. That's H-A-R-R-I-S-C-R-E-E-K dot O-R-G. Amazing. And you guys, I'll have that all in the description down below. If you guys do like show more on this podcast, that'll all be listed down below. And he also does these fun little like, like, little, like Friday Q&A things. They're always so entertaining to watch. The questions you get are so Crazy. funny sometimes. <laughs> Your responses yeah. are amazing. So definitely so go check him out. And I appreciate your time, JP. Hey, thank you so much, friend. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you guys again next Tuesday. And remember to stay happy and healthy. Bye, guys. Bye.